Good morning. Welcome to Christ Community Church. We are so glad that you are able to join us virtually this morning. As we come into this space, receive this welcome blessing from God. May the love of God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and always. As we get started this morning, we do have a couple of announcements for you. This coming Thursday, April 9, is Maundy Thursday, when we remember Jesus' celebration of the Passover with his disciples at the Last Supper. So we will be continuing to have the service we had planned. We're going to do it a little different. We're going to try it on Zoom because we want to have communion as part of this service, and we feel it's really important that we actually get to see each other in some sense when we partake of communion. So watch for an email on Monday that's going to have instructions for how to tune into that call on this coming Thursday at 7 p.m. This Sunday, April 5, was meant to be Gem Sunday, where we can celebrate the amazing work that is happening with that group in our church. And we still wanted to celebrate it and recognize that. So we have an update from Trisha Dang, and then we have a short video that Becca Rosema put together that we hope you enjoy and you get to learn a little bit more about what the girls have been learning and doing this year. Hi, my name is Trisha Dang, and I was lucky enough to be one of the leaders with Gems at CCC this year. We were coordinated by Amanda Stewart and joined by Trudy Yeager, Joy Klein, Karen Kurtnick, Becca Uzma, and Sarah Deck, uh, Gems mom and volunteer from the neighborhood church. We feel very blessed by the vast number of volunteers that we had this year and more than num doubled our numbers of volunteers since last year. We also now have more than 30 girls registered and had to close registration as we felt that this was a size that we could manage effectively. We meet on the first and third Thursdays of every month and we are a loud and busy group in the big room downstairs as we play games, learn about our theme, and worship God through songs and lessons. Then we head to our small groups. This year they however weren't so small, we had between 9 and 11 girls in each group. God provided us with the girls, and we spent time getting to know them and sharing God's love with them. The theme this year was loved, period, where we reminded the girls over and over that no matter what, they are loved by God. This year's Bible verse was 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, so that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. We continue to have some needs and gems. We pray that God will provide us with enough volunteers next year so that we can continue to serve this enthusiastic group of young women. We pray for the girls right now that in this uncertain time that they will continue to feel safe. And that we pray that everyone will remember that no matter what, they are loved. The video that Becca put together is available on YouTube. So we have a link in the paragraph above that if you wanna check that out, uh, we invite you to go and see some pictures of what the girls have been up to this year.
We invite you now to turn to the praise songs that we have provided. There are links to be able to listen to those on YouTube. Will you join me in prayer? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the psalmist declares, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Today, our hearts long to join with your people, to share our burdens, to see friends, to care for the lonely, to join our voices in praise, to remember together this weekly reminder of your resurrection, to hear together the amazing echoes of your word proclaimed, to touch the bread and taste the cup, looking at faces gathered around the table, to be sent on mission into every sphere of human endeavor. Today, the longing of our hearts cannot be filled. We lament our separation from another. We lament that we can't join our voices in one place to bring glory to you. We lament our lack of love of worship in the past. We lament for brothers and sisters who are sick. We lament a broken world that carries viruses. We lament for those for whom this virus means dire social isolation. We cry out to you, Redeemer of all things, for our leaders who bear a deep burden for your people, for our leaders who are struggling and striving to build community in this time of pandemic, for grace and healing and hope, first for those deeply struggling and then for us all for you to reconcile all things to yourself through the blood of Jesus Christ, for the day to come soon when we can have our hopes fulfilled and join together with the community of faith in the glad weekly remembrance of the resurrection of Jesus. We pray this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So we have two scripture texts that we're going to read from this morning. The first is Genesis chapter 28. We're going to read verses 10 through 16. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. And he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth, the top of it reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. Our second text comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 12. We're going to read verses 12 through 36. 
The next day, the great crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written of him and done to him. So the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to testify. It was also because they heard that he had performed this sign that the crowd went to meet him. The Pharisees then said to one another, You see, you can do nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. The crowd answered him, we have heard from the laws that the Messiah remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Jesus said to them, The light is with you for a little longer. Walk while you have the light, so that the darkness may not overtake you. If you walk in the darkness, you do not know where you are going. While you have the light, believe in the light, so that you may become children of light. This is the word of the Lord. We give thanks to God for it. So a little bit of background on Jacob and what was going on in his life when this story takes place. If you know anything about Jacob, he's a little bit of a trickster. And he, when this story takes place, has just 
gotten his brother's blessing from his father. He, along with his mother, came up with this scheme to fool his father into thinking that he was his brother Esau. So he gets not only Esau's birthright, but also the blessing from their father. And Esau has come in and found out about this. And he is furious. He is so mad that he has said that after his father dies, he will also kill Jacob. Now their mother has heard this and has convinced Jacob to go away, to go visit family out of town so that he might be able to save his life and maybe give his brother some time to cool off. So Jacob has just been told to flee from his family, to go to this new place. There's fear, perhaps, I would imagine, of is his brother going to come after him? What is next? There's a new season before him. He doesn't know what it holds. He doesn't know if he's ever going to be able to return to his family. Things will ever return to normal. Everything is very unsettled. And that's where we come to our story this morning. All of these emotions. And he is tired. So he chooses to lay down right where he is. He finds a nice stone to put his head on. And then he sleeps. And he has this dream of the activity of God going on in his midst. And he gets this promise from God that God is going to be with him wherever he goes. Now at this time, that still wouldn't have been too foreign to Jacob. God hadn't yet created a pact with all of Israel, and the tabernacle hadn't been built. So there wasn't yet this idea that worship of God had to happen in one place. But their relationship with God would still have been a little mysterious. And we get from this story the sense that Jacob does not necessarily expect God to be anywhere and everywhere. So he has this dream and then he wakes up. And I love this line. Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. I think this is a really helpful story for us, particularly in this season. Now our situation is a little different than Jacob's in that we did not bring this on ourselves. We are not fleeing a conflict of our own making. But we are in a season of uncertainty. We are in a season that brings some fear with it. We're not sure what's next. We're not sure if anything we have known before is going to come again. If after this pandemic is over, if things are going to return to normal, or if we're going to have to adjust to a new normal. We're also worshiping in spaces that are new for us. We are used to gathering in this sanctuary of coming together as a people of God and worshiping him. Now, hopefully you do know that God is everywhere and that we can worship him wherever we are. But for our Sunday worship, we are in new spaces. Spaces that can be full of distractions. 
spaces that might feel boring and mundane because it is where we live. Spaces that right now we are seeing a lot of. In this time of having to stay at home, it can be hard to remember that this place in which we might feel trapped, in which we are cooped up in, that is also the place where we too can proclaim, surely the Lord is in this place. Wherever we go, in hospital rooms, in grocery stores, in our backyards, in our bedrooms, God is in that place. Do we recognize that? Now, we did have that spiritual practice earlier in this season of Lent of kind of practicing mindfulness and being aware of God, of being grounded right in the moment and opening up our senses to the presence of the Lord working in our midst. So we get to bring that back up and to recognize that that happens anywhere and everywhere. And that that promise that God made to Jacob of where you go, I will go, and I will see you back safely to the promises that I have given you. Those promises hold true for us today as well. Now it might seem that our John passage is actually kind of contradictory. We have had I missed a verse. Now it might seem that the John passage that we read this morning alongside the Genesis one actually kind of conflicts with that main point that we're drawing. And I'm just realizing that I forgot to read verse 36, and that's important, so let me read that a second. After Jesus had said this, he departed and hid from them. Now that verse seems strange to be paired with this section in Genesis, where we've just talked about how God is anywhere and everywhere. Wherever we go, God is with us. And now we turn to this story where people are flocking to Jesus, even Greeks who are not familiar per se with all of the prophecies and all the promises that the Jews would have known. They still have heard about this guy, Jesus, and they come to Philip and they say, sir, we want to see Jesus. They are seeking him out. Maybe he's the Messiah, maybe he isn't, but there is something about this man that is extra godly and they want to see him. And then whether, rather than simply embracing them and welcoming people into his presence, Jesus talks about his death, and then he departs and hides from them. And he is not seen by the crowds, by the masses again, until his trial and crucifixion. 
This was the last time he is out in public. And he has heard that people have come to see him. And he hides away. God is anywhere and everywhere. And yet Jesus is hiding away. What is important for us to understand this morning is that God is still anywhere and everywhere. But what Jesus is teaching is that where and how God works is not always where and how we expect it. Where we go looking for Jesus is not always where we're going to find him. These Greeks came and said, we would see Jesus. Along with the crowds, they have been drawn by the story of this man who raised Lazarus from the dead. An amazing miracle. Death, which frightens all of us on some level, has been defeated in the case of Lazarus. So the crowds have heard and they are flocking to him, wanting to see him, wanting to understand. And he answers by saying, and yet I must die. And then he disappears. His lesson that we see that even the disciples did not really get at the time. And it was only after his glorification that they fully got it. But the lesson Jesus was trying to convey is that while, yes, he had risen Lazarus from the dead, the work of God in that place was not just for Jesus to walk around raising those who had physically died and having people running to him, worrying if they can get into his presence, being fearful that Jesus might not get to their loved ones in time. No, Jesus' mission was bigger than that because he came to save not just one or two people from the grave for a season until they should die again. No, Jesus came to offer eternal life to all who would follow him. People were looking for Jesus as the Messiah in that town, in that time. They had all their expectations of him overthrowing the Roman Empire, of having a king in Israel. That is the battle that they thought he was coming to win. And Jesus is trying to tell them that he has come to fight a much bigger battle. That the victory he seeks is not just over death for now, but of death for all eternity. He has come to overthrow the ruler of the world. Not just the local ruler, but to overthrow the powers of darkness that had a hold on the whole creation. That was what Jesus was about. So he says, you have come to see me. You will see me. But you will see me when I am lifted up 
He knew that when he was raised on the cross, that people would see him and be confused. They had come to see him. They had come to see a warrior, they thought. And instead, they saw a man who willingly went to his death. I wonder if those who were standing at the cross could have proclaimed with Jacob, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. I can't speak for them, but I would imagine that if I was in that place, the second part would have been true, that I might not have known that the Lord was in that place. If I had been hoping and dreaming that this man was the Messiah, that all of the prophecies that I had known, I thought were coming true. And now he's dying on a cross. I wonder what that would have felt like. That is where we go on Holy Week. We are invited to walk with Jesus on this path into darkness, to his death. And yet that promise that God goes with his people anywhere and everywhere, that he will see them back to the land of his promises. As we continue this week through the story of Jesus traveling through Holy Week, we're going to see Jesus ask and answer those questions of him knowing that God is with him and yet naming that it is a dark place that he has come into. And yet, the promises still stand. Verse 34 says, The crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Messiah remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? They had their expectations. They had these prophecies. But they did not see God working in their midst. Because we were looking in the wrong places. The Messiah remains forever. Forever is such a hard concept. When we think of forever, we can really only think within a lifetime. Because for us, that is forever. When we think of what it would mean for a man to come and to be a king, all of the previous kings had eventually died. And yet, that is kind of the expectations that the people had. Instead, Jesus comes and says, this forever is truly forever. It is not just here and now. It is not just for those who are living in this time. But it is for all people of all times who call on my name. And that is how we, who are gathered this morning, can also 
claim this promise. These words that Jesus speaks, the effect of his death, we get to claim that as well. Because it truly was forever. Then verse 36. While you have the light, believe in the light, so that you may become children of light. Part of Lent is preparing our hearts to truly receive all of the events of Holy Week, to receive Jesus' journey to the cross, but also his resurrection from the tomb, his ascension to God's right hand. All of these together make sense as we look back. And our work today is to let that light shine on us in such a way that it transforms us into children of the light. And so now I want us to see ours as coming back full circle. Because we started with this idea that God is everywhere. And that is true. That has not changed. That will be true for tomorrow and every tomorrow after that. But as children of the light, we are also called to be reminders of God's presence. When we have truly taken into ourselves the promises of God, the hope and the grace and the love and forgiveness and everything we get from Good Friday and Easter morning. When we incorporate those into our being, when we let the Holy Spirit transform us, we too can be reflections of God's light. And then everywhere we go, we get to bring word of that light. We get to help people who are sleeping in places of desert, weary from their life, who just need a place to lie down and rest. And we can be that voice in the desert saying, God is here. God is with you. He will go with you through whatever season and bring you back into the land of promise. That is our reminder this Sunday. That as Jesus came into Jerusalem, he came to battle the powers of darkness and to have victory over them for all time. That we might not fear death, but know that he offers us eternal life. That God is working in ways and places beyond our imagining. And that even in this season of doubt and uncertainty, of fear, of change, God is there. God is with us. We know that Jesus himself walked into places of darkness 
but that ultimately he overthrew the darkness, that God's light will always shine through. And in this season, what a blessing it is for us as his children to get to be bearers of that light to our neighbors. It looks different and we have to be creative and it can be tiring. And yet what a joy it is to know that through us and even in spite of us at times, God's light is going to continue to shine through this present darkness. His victory is assured. And next Sunday, we get to come back and celebrate that. Amen. Father God, we thank you that you loved us so much, that you assured us of your promises in your son Jesus. Though your word is good when you said that you would go with your children wherever they went, that you would bring them back to the land of promises. Lord, we know that when the darkness closes in, it can be hard to hold on to those promises. Lord, thank you for Jesus, who helped us expand our vision, who is that voice reminding us Surely the Lord is in this place. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's reflect on how powerful God's light is by singing, Shine on Us. As you go into the week ahead, and whatever that might bring for you and your family, know that you go with this blessing from the Lord our God. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Go in peace.